Today, Jack, the show is all about you. You're in full control. It's about your favourite area, cap space. So, mate, that's me done. This is all about you. Go. First of all, hello to Jack. Good morning, Jack. Let's talk to Jack Duffin. Let's bring in Jack Duffin. In our Westminster studio is Jack Duffin. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here with my co-host, Jack. Jack, how are you, mate? I'm good. Um, I think it's the first time I've ever had a guest on my cap show. So, welcome to the show, Paul. All right, okay, cool. Uh, woo, I'm a guest. Um, do you know what? I get asked to be a guest more than host a show now. I'm doing something wrong, mate. Um, so, dear cap expert, I've got a question for you. Where would we be if the Cleveland Browns took over the league the, the second that Kitchen, uh, second that Kitchen was here? Where would he? Where would it be in the division or league? So usually you ask me these questions and I haven't prepared. Whereas I'm, I'm actually prepared today because I knew this was coming at some point. So I thought I'd get on top of it. So looking at the NFL standings from week nine to week fifteen, and so just. Us as the Browns, we're in a solid four and two. One four, lost two. Nice 66, um, well, 0.667 record. And that would be good enough for us to be third in the wild card. So we wouldn't get a bye, but we'd be going through as a division winner. So the two um, teams that get the bye in the AFC would be the Chargers and the Colts. The Browns and then... Shock horror, it'd be the Miami Dolphins going through, not the Patriots. And the two teams that would sneak the wild card would be the Texans and the Titans. So, shocks, the two, three big shocks that would be missing out from the AFC playoffs. The Chiefs haven't been good enough. Their record only comes in at a four and two, the same as the Browns, but the Chargers um, rip it away from them and they don't get a wild card. The Patriots don't make the playoffs. The Steelers don't make the playoffs. The Baltimore Ravens don't make the playoffs. It'd be upset all over the board. It'd be absolutely crazy. Mate, so it sounds perfect. Let's just make the season sure. We'll be in the playoffs every uh, year. Or get rid of Hugh and then never look back because uh, the season's been brighter since Hugh was there. And anyone that wants to go and look at this as a table form, jump over my Twitter, at Jack Duffin. I've done a nice table there. The NFC is included. So just to run through them, the teams on the buy are the Saints and the Bears. The two other division winners are the Cowboys and the Rams. And the other wildcard teams are the Giants and the Eagles. The Rams just snuck in on a better division record than the 49ers and... Um, the uh, sorry, a better conference record on the Vikings and I was on a better um, division record than the 49ers, and then the Eagles snuck in because they had a better conference record than the Vikings and the 49ers. So it all went down to tiebreakers. Uh, the only two uh, teams I couldn't break on a tiebreaker was the Saints and the Bears, but they both got a bye, so uh, they can party off into the sunset. I thought the uh, Colts and the Bears have really turned their season around, haven't they? Yeah, I think um, the Colts have been the biggest shock. of. I like them at the start of the season. I thought they've done a lot of work to improve the O-line and it's shown signs of improvement. Um, but I think they are possibly 
a lock looking at um, that sort of sixth wildcard slot in the AFC. I'd be shocked if anyone uh, was to take that off them. Okay, great. So uh, tell us, what else do we discuss on your cap show, Jack? Well, uh, we did a few weeks ago, we had a really light look over at um, what the contracts would look like for um, the players that are up this year. So I've had a chance to go away and delve into more detail um, on the there's four, uh, six players I've focused on. Um, you've got Austin Childs, Rashad Higgins, BBC, Tyrod Taylor, Greg Robinson and Rashad Perryman. They are the six that I went away because, quite frankly, the others, they're either on such small contracts or um, they're exclusive rights-free agents. So you can give them a tender. They can't say no and they've got to come back. So they're the six that I've looked at. Um, you ready to just dive in? Yeah, go for it, mate. So we'll deal with the three that are on restricted um, free agents first. And that basically means that they haven't quite got to um, – four accrued seasons so basically a player has to play at least six games in any season to count as a season that they've played and until they've done that whichever team owns their rights can basically put them on a cheaper deal so you've got three options with this deal you've got a first round tender which this year is 4.4 million you've got a second round tender which is 3.1 million or an original round tender that is 2 million and what that effectively means is if I was to say have a player let's say Rashad Higgins he was drafted in the fifth round so if I gave him a first round tender and we're going to pay him 4.4 million any other team in the league can offer him a contract and say a team falls in love with him and goes we're going to pay him 10 million a year four-year deal and the Browns are go well, we don't want to match that the compensation that we would get for that deal is whatever team he's going to, their first round pick, they'd have to give us back. Obviously, no teams can do that, but say they offered a sensible deal if they went, right, we're going to offer him a three-year, five million pound deal, um, five million a year deal, and we'd go, actually, we really want to keep him, so we'd get an option to go, we're going to match that deal. So automatically he has to stay at the Browns and he has to sign that deal. Um, so it's sort of the compensation. So first and second round is really easy. What happens with an original round tender is that a Rashad Higgins who was signed, uh, was drafted in the fifth round, a team would have to give us that fifth round back. Um, whereas you've got a player like Brian Body Calhoun, who was an undrafted free agent, so they'd have to give us no compensation. So you, with him, you might, throw in that second rounder just to go, actually, we're going to get there. But uh, no, so there's three players we've got. Do you understand what I mean with the tenders? Have I explained that well enough? Yeah, yeah. I guess I think the only question is, um, say if, um, just say for argument's sake, uh, Higgins and the Bengals want him for a fourth, just say, and then the Steelers want him for a fourth. Is that possible so, or not? So you don't bid on... You don't bid for uh, the picks and what you want to offer. If we were to give him a second round tender, they'd have to give a second round. If we gave him an original round tender, whichever contract he agreed to. So four teams could offer him a contract. And it's only if he wants to sign one of them contracts. So say he wants to sign um, for... It's if he wants to sign with the Bengals. Got say, it. Say, he say, wants yeah, to the Bengals. Yeah. He wants to go to the Bengals. Then we get a choice as the Browns. We can either 
match that contract. So give him exactly what's in that contract and he stays with us. Or we'd go, actually, we don't want that. We, they have to give us a fifth round pick. So you don't get to choose which pick you're taking. You just take the fifth round okay. pick and that's yours. All right, go ahead. So we've got three players that are restricted free agents. You've got Austin Childs. Um, you've got Rashad Higgins and you've got Brian Body Calhoun. So with Orson Charles, um, I reckon we'll probably give him the original round tender if um, we want to keep him. It's going to cost us two million. Or we might go, we don't want to give you that much. And if we give you that contract, we're not going to keep you. So we might just offer him a normal contract and go, we want to sign you to a three-year contract. Um, um, vet minimum so it's somewhere in the region of sort of 790,000 because if he gets to the end of training camp and he's on 2 million we're probably not going to keep him anyway and there's no guaranteed money in these contracts if we get to the end of camp and we go we don't want to keep this guy we just ship him on um, obviously Jamie Meader was sort of an example of someone that was on that style of contract uh, last year um, so I would say with Orson Charles we'd probably go to him and go look we're going to offer you a one-year, 790000 And we might throw in sort of 10, 20 grand of guaranteed money or a camp bonus just to sort of make it reasonable. And then just say, look, come back for a year, try out, and we'll uh, see where we go, especially where it's gone on to IR. Can you remember that there was three teams that were interested in him? Can you remember that or not? Was that just my... Uh... There, I believe, yeah, it was three or four. So there was other teams interested in him, but um, I just, I don't think we, I don't think you keep a sort of tight end slash fullback on your roster to pay him two million a year. So I just, I can't see why we would sign that deal. And sorry, Jack, where do you get two million from? So it's the um, over the cap have done their projected RFA tender figures. So if you want to give them an original round tender. You don't get to choose the amount. It is exactly set at two million or two million and thirty-five thousand. So if you want to tender them, that's the amount of money you have to give them. You might just design a new contract, so you might sit down with him and go, "This is the contract we want to give you," but this is just a tender. And basically, what it was in in the collective bargaining agreement, there was just an agreement that if you sort of drafted a player, say, and they were injured for the first four years, or Josh Gordon's a perfect example of due to his own issues, wasn't able to play over six games each year, wasn't able to get that accrued. I can't get the name out. I'll keep it in. Basically, um, got a season of games under their belt, then the team gets the option just to keep them before they hit free agency because we own their rights. So the numbers are all set. I've gone from over the cap, obviously a fantastic place if you want to go get cap figures. So I would say Austin Charles, sit him down, offer him about 790000 come back, one-year deal, nothing really guaranteed. Um, Rashad Higgins, now this is a difficult one. Of Do we go the original round tender of $2 million, and if someone else wants him, we have to get a fifth back? Or do we go the second round tender? And this is the one where I think I might be tempted to try the second round tender. And the only reason is, let's give him another year and just see if we want to extend him. I don't think there's going to be enough interest in the NFL. But if someone comes in and goes for him, then if we get a second back, then fantastic. Um, I just don't know if he's worth paying 
that two million and then someone comes in and then we have to give him a potentially long-term deal. Because even though I like Richard Higgins, he hasn't sort of proved it yet on a consistent basis across the whole season. So I would take the gamble and I reckon I, w- I wouldn't mind giving him a second round tender. So you're going to give him what? Four million, is it? 3.1. Um, but so I'd you're going take- to pay an extra million pound to guarantee to keep Higgins? Um, it doesn't. It guarantees that if someone else wanted to try grab him, they'd have to give you a second round pick, and no one's going to pay a second round pick for him. In all honesty, I think you could pay the two million, and no one would do it. You might get a team go in and go. Actually, we're willing to offer him a three year, five million pound contract, and he might just even say no to that. So, it, I wouldn't mind actually. Be fair. If we, I think we might lean towards giving him an original round tender. And then we get the choice of a fifth or matching the deal. But uh, I wouldn't mind just spending that extra million and uh, guaranteeing a second round pick because no one's going to match that. No one's going to pay a second round pick for Richard Higgins. Can I take your cap show off piece a minute or not allowed? Um, is it with Richard Higgins? If not, let me do BBC and then we'll go off piste. Okay, cool. Um, so BBC's um, the other RFA, so third of the three. Um, I, I, I would give him uh, the original round tender. If someone comes in with a contract, I'm going to match it. He is a phenomenally versatile player, backup free safety, backup slot cornerback, can easily drop in and get snaps in lots of places. I'm signing him up to a long deal if another team comes in. So I'm much more keen on giving a long deal to BBC than Richard Higgins. I think we've seen it. And um, for me, I... Give him that original round tender and match anything unless there's something insane comes on. Um, so I'd say off the original round tender. And it wouldn't surprise me if we do the same with Rashad Higgins um, because would a team give up a fifth for him? I'm not sure they would. And what about Perryman? Have we got any rights with him or not? No, we'd, we've got Tyrod Taylor, Greg Robinson, Perryman, which we'll do next. These were just the three RFAs out the way early. But you, you want to go off piece for a minute. What do you want to chat about? No, I'm going to control myself and wait to the end. Control. Right, we'll jump through these three more contracts. So we'll do Tyrod Taylor next. Um, and with these three contracts, is I've sat here and I've looked sort of sort of the p- similar players to them that are around. Um, so with quarterback, a backup quarterback, there's there's not really a decent market to judge it on. Um, Obviously, Tyrod Taylor's got to sit down and decide what he wants to do. And his agent will have chatted to teams. I know it's at a point where he can't yet, but uh, it's how the world works. So he'll know if there's any teams out there willing to take a punt on him as a starting quarterback next year. So you might see sort of a Jaguars, maybe. You might have a Raiders who are going to go, we're going to pay you $10 million. Come play for us for a year and uh, let's, let's give it a go. Um, let's look at the backups that are out there. Um, Nick Foles is a very complex deal, but basically for this one year, he got 13.6 million. Um, you've got Teddy Bridgewater, who's a different case, but he got six years, uh, six million for this one year. And Chase Daniels has got a two year, uh, well, it's four million this year, six million next year, seven million of it guaranteed. So he's going to be around, but that's five million for each of his two years. So if we were going to keep Tyrod Taylor, I think we're looking at a, a three-year contract somewhere in the region of 20 to 24 million, which is 6.6 to 8 million a year. Um, you're probably looking somewhere in the region of 
10 to 12 million in guarantees. And there'll probably be some sort of words in the contract that will mean if Taylor, say, wanted to quit the deal after two years or the Browns wanted to cut him, there's probably not going to be much in the way of guarantees in that third year. Um, so both teams can just walk away. There might be sort of a, a million, but there's not going to be anything substantial in that deal. What do you reckon, Paul? I just don't see the point of keeping him. Oh, I, I agree with you. Obviously, the, the one thing, and it's why um, I think the Eagles paid through the nose to keep um, Nick Foles was because Wentz was injured. But there's teams that, obviously, the Saints went and traded a third-round pick for Teddy Bridgewater, which was on six million years. Um, and it was because if you're in that Super Bowl window and you can get sort of a the best one of the best sort of two, three backups in the league. If Baker went down, even though Drew Stanton went three and one last season um, when he was a starter, you're at risk that your whole season just ends. Whereas Tyrod Taylor is better than most sort of, he's one of the best backup quarterbacks out there in the entire league. Um, and yeah, he's, he came and had bad coaching that didn't obviously elevate his play start of the season. Um, and we've seen the difference Baker had before when he was Hugh and Todd and now when he's got Kitchens. So personally, I'm no, no way I want to re-sign Tyrod Taylor. Um, Dorsey's obviously spoke about it at several points this season. Um, it might be something they do. Personally, take that spare cap money and give some more weapons to Baker Mayfield instead. But don't be surprised if it happens that uh, they re-sign um, Tyrod. But I think it was going to be in the sort of three-year, 20 to 24 million range. So 6.6 to 8 million a year, which is, is pricey. Let's go to the two that I'm really interested about now. Which one first? I'll give you the choice. Do you want to do Greg Robinson or do you want to do Brashard Perryman? Perryman. We want to do Perryman first. So I've looked out there and it's, it's difficult with Perryman of um, how do other teams view him? Have other teams been really impressed? He's obviously he's done some solid stuff um, so far, but he, he hasn't caught that many. I think he's caught 11 of 14 uh, passes. Um, it's not jump off the page stuff, but is it just sample size? Our team's going to say we want him. So I'm looking at players similar to him that have been around the league and not really loved. Matavis Bryant, Brandon LaFell, Darius Hayward Bay were sort of the names that instantly jumped to mind because you can't really compare it to anyone that's on a rookie contract. They're all in the one to two million range. The question's going to be what does Perryman want? Does Perryman want just a one year prove it contract um, to go, right, give me a one year deal? I'm going to bet on myself. And after that one year, I'm going to prove I'm so valuable that I can go out there and potentially get a five, six, eight million pound deal because Baker Mayfield's going to make me look really, really good. Um, obviously, if he then has a bad year and gets cut, then he might never get back into the league. But some players will want to bet on themselves. So if he wants that sort of one year prove it deal, I think we're probably looking in the two to two and a half million range because there'll be teams out there that are willing to sort of give him that risk. Me, I, I don't want to give him a one-year prove-it deal, because if he then hits, you get no benefit out of it. So I've sort of structured two deals that I think we can get him on, on a three-year deal. Sort of the bottom end is a, let's say, three-year, five million pound deal. So a one million of that signing bonus, another 500 grand, uh, 500 grand is 
in extra one year guarantee. So it might look something like this of next season, 1.4 million with 833,000 guaranteed. Um, 2020, 1.6 million with 333 guaranteed. And then 2021, 2 million with 333,000 guaranteed. And it wouldn't surprise me if that was 5 million or it might move up to six. So it's 1.82 million and 2.2 a year. But I reckon in the five to six million mark, that's going to be the sort of bottom end of what he's asking for. And if we can get him on that deal, it's a fantastic deal for us. Um, it's sort of similar to those de- sort of players like Mitchell that struggled and we've, we've sort of taken a little bit of a gamble on them and they'll pay off. It's team friendly, but uh, if he doesn't want to run our eyes out, then uh, it's there. Or you might do another way if he's desperate to get more money and his agent wants to have a deal that it sounds really good, but there's not actually that much money in it. Then a sort of three-year, 10 million, 1.5 million signing bonus and 1 million in first year guaranteed. Sounds really big, isn't actually that much. So you might have next season, 2 million with 1.5 million of it guaranteed. 2020, 3 million with half a million guaranteed. And then 2021, a $5 million, uh, $5 million contract, but only half a million guaranteed. So that way allows us to have him for 2 million next year. And if we want to, after one year, go, no, you're not good enough, we pay him an extra million and send him home. And then our, if we say have it in, t- in 2020 and we don't want to pay him that sort of 5 million of a big wage in 2021, we can pay him half a million and cut ties. And I think maybe a deal like that where the agent goes, look, I've got your 10 million pound contract, look how awesome this is. But in all honesty, unless he's really, really good, there's no way we're ever going to pay him 5 million. We'd renegotiate that contract and move it in a different way if he uh, looked promising or was a dud so what do you think Paul? Um, do you think a team could come in and just pay him three four million a year because they he's a first round talent don't forget yeah he's a first round talent but he hasn't proven anything yet um, and he's caught 11 passes you, you, no one's going to pay sort of four five million a year for a player that's caught 11 passes um, because, yeah, there's a them few big plays, but I don't think he's done enough that a team's going to fall in love with him. I think there's definitely a market of, if you're looking at that sort of, if he wants to go out and have a one-year, two, three million pound deal, that teams are paying that and go, look, we're just going to bet on you for one year. We'll give you three million. Come play for us. Um, sort of a team that's especially in a Super Bowl window. So you look at the way the... Um, Eagles made the bet on Golden Tate. Obviously, Golden Tate is a much more proven player than Perryman. But it's that sort of, let's just give him a, a one-year punt and uh, see what happens. What, what contract was he on when he was at his last club then? Any idea? Well, he, he wasn't on a contract. He was just on his um, rookie deal. So the, you can't peg that to anything. Um, it's, it, because lots of players won't ever make it past their rookie deal. After their first four years, they, some of them might not even get to the fourth year. Lots of them are out of the league. So it's, it's important not to look at your rookie contracts when you're trying to predict that second contract. You're looking at players similar to them. And I think Matavis Bryant, Dar- uh, Brandon LaFell and Darius Hayward Bay are similar-ish. Obviously, they're all in the older end of their careers. But I think he might push for a two to two and a half million um, one-year prove-it deal. I want to try time down to a contract. And if it takes a three-year 10 million with 5 million of that in year three, 
I'll be happy with that deal because it just sort of it gives us some guarantees of sort of two years at a relatively cheap price. And also after one year, we can cut him if it doesn't work out. Well, I think he's going to go for more money than you think, Jack. What, what are you predicting? I'm predicting something around, yeah, around 10 million, but more guaranteed up front for him. So you say three year, 10 million? Yeah, roughly. Like, yeah. I reckon that they're going to be a lot more guaranteed up front. Just say three and a half, three and a half, and a three, for example, I don't know, something more like that. Um, because the Browns have, with the cap space they've got, it's in their favour to, uh, if I'm correct, Jack, you're the expert, not me, the, to front-load contracts at the moment. Yeah, um, so front-loading works really well if you're a player you want to keep around for years. So if there was a player like um, Miles totally. Garrett, you'd yeah. go, look, we, because the cap goes up roughly, I think, 7 8% off the top of my head recently each year, if you went, we're going to pay you... 20 million this year, then 20 million, then 20 million, then 18, then 18. Over that time, obviously, the cap goes up and the, the amount of percentage of the cap you're actually paying a player goes down really nicely. Um, I th- the way I've structured it with that three-year, 10 million deal, of it's, half of that is in the final year, is because after two years, you can just cut that player and you have to pay him. Um, you've paid him five and a half million for two years. So he's only got a small amount of what that actually nice big sounding figure is. And you don't want to, just because you've got cap, you don't want to pay your fourth slash fifth wide receiver three and a half million a year because that, that amount isn't sustainable across the team. If, if you're looking at a rotational player that catches one, two passes a game, you can't afford to pay a player that has that smaller role 3.3 million a year. So it's about keeping the price low because he's either got to step up um, because if you're looking to either bring in a free agent or draft someone in sort of the first three rounds, someone between that group of Landry, Perryman, Callaway, Higgins, um, the draft pick slash free agent, and um, between that five, you're not looking to really keep on the roster in a year's time um, because you can't have five, six great wide receivers. We'd all love to have five, six great wide receivers. You just can't pay them all. Okay, great. And uh, Greg Robinson. Greg Robinson. So he's played really well. And I think if he, he's going to have from some teams out there, and obviously we get an option as a team to negotiate this deal before he hits free agency. So some players might say, I want to hit free agency, and then I'll come back to you and chat about a deal. But if it's about trying to tie them players down before they hit free agency, before they can get open offers from all these other teams and go, oh, they're going to pay me a million more than you, I'll go there. So he's likely to get starting left tackle money from some teams out there because there's always need for starting left tackles. Um, he's put down now a decent enough amount of tape that teams can go, actually, they're really good. And just to look at some of the numbers since um, since Freddie Kitchens has been in as head coach on how many QB hits we've seen recently. So since weeks 9 to 15, um, the most amount of QB hits has been Miami with 52. Um, if we look at we're the best, 
The second team is Indianapolis Colts with 22 QB hits. So that's 30 less than Miami, which is obviously good. We're first. Do you want to have a guess if uh, Indianapolis Colts are second with 22? What number we are? Third. No, no, we're first, but how many? So they've had 22 times in those six weeks, um, six weeks, seven weeks, um, their quarterback, uh, Andrew Luck, has been hit. How many times has Baker Mayfield been hit in those seven weeks? Well, it's, it's, it's six games because we had a bye. Four. It's seven. Oh. And that's insane. So the nearest team to us in the entire NFL, their quarterback's been hit 15 more times. Baker Mayfield's only been hit seven most, most teams are in sort of the 30s. There's only a few teams in the 20s. And we're all the way down there in, with only seven hits. It's insane how well this O-line's done. It's a mixture of they've up their game, the ball's getting out quicker, Baker Mayfield's moving quicker, the way Kitchens is scheming it. And all that comes together that the quarterback stays upright. So even though it doesn't look good with Robinson and Hubbard, Obviously, if you're watching tape, there's questionable moments. It's actually working. So, Robinson's going to get starter money. Someone out there is going to pay him. Nate Solder was an average left tackle last year, and he got $15.5 million a year when he hit uh, free agency. So, wherever he goes, if he hits free agency, someone's giving him starter money. So, we need to decide as a club, are we going to risk the draft See how far he falls, um, see how far the um, offensive tackles fall, and we're going to take our left tackle in the draft because we don't think Greg Robinson can get to that level. And that's what we've got to decide. I'm not opposed to paying Greg Robinson because we keep winning games, all the decent left tackles will be gone by the time we pick. Um, and I think we are at least going to win one of these two games, I think we might win two. The Ravens is a bit harder. So I think we need to sit down with Greg Robinson and we need to do a deal. We're not going to do both. You're not going to sign Greg Robinson, have Chris Hubbard, and then also draft a left tackle in the first round. Um, unless you were going to stick Greg Robinson on one year silly money deal. Um, I just I can't see the point of it. So cutting, what we could do is we could draft a left tackle, sign Greg Robinson, and then cut Chris Hubbard. That would cost us $3.2 million to cut him, but it would be just to clear ties and move on. We have to pay him um, over $7 million if we're going to keep him this year. So I think the benchmark of where we're looking, unfortunately, after we sign Chris Hubbard, is the minimum for what we can offer Greg Robinson. Um, similar players out there, you've got Villa Nueva at the Steelers. He's on $6 million a year. And I think if we didn't have Chris Hubbard on our books, and that's why it's really, really dangerous as a team to overpay when you've got spare cap. Because now Greg Robinson's agent can walk in and go, well, you're paying your right tackle 7.3 million a year average. He's a left tackle and he's more important. So I need, I'm going to need you to pay this. Whereas if the only competitive numbers around was the Steelers are paying Villanueva 6 million, you can go, well, Villanueva's getting six. You're not quite as good as that. We're going to offer you five and a half million a year or five million a year. But the fact that we've paid all this money to Chris Hubbard and he's signed to this big contract, 
really damages our negotiating position and it hurts John Dorsey, it hurts Highsmith, it hurts Elliot Wolf. And that's why when I say you've got spare salary cap, don't use it stupidly. Even though I like the signing of Chris Hubbard, we overpaid through the absolute teeth for him. So whereas if you'd have asked, if Chris Hubbard wasn't in the equation, I'm saying five, five and a half, six tops, you can get Greg Robinson signed up. I think it's going to be 7.3 million minimum. Um, Chris Hubbard, um, that deal was a five year, 36.5 million, nine million in guarantees. So my prediction for Greg Robinson is three years, 18 to 22 million, which is six to 7.3 million a year. Cause I think we might just get it under, um, and six to 10 million in guarantees, just, but just a three year contract rather than the five. Um, and then it's going to be interesting to see whether they either cut Chris Hubbard and draft someone or they keep the pair and we don't even draft anyone. We don't draft a tackle until maybe day three because we're confident Desmond Harrison might develop into something and he remains just our swing back up tackle. Well, it's absolutely nuts how cheap Greg Robinson is right now, isn't it, when you think he's less than a million? Oh, yeah. It's fantastically cheap price. And uh, he, he just won an opportunity to get back into the league. We gave it to him and he's played really well. Um, and it's just it's such a shame that contract's there because if we were able to get away with saying, paying Greg Robinson three years, 15 million, um, we're in a fantastic position. The fact that we're now looking at potentially 2025 to do that deal um, because that Hubbard ball round our ankle that really hurts. And um, it's why you've got to be really, really careful when you're handing out deals because in the same way, if a wide receiver performs really well, they're going to be pointing to Jarvis Landry and going, well, oh, Jarvis got 15 and a half million a year. I'm going to start negotiating at 12, 13 million. And that, that could hurt us down the line because say Higgins just does a one year, but then next year he outperforms Jarvis Landry potentially or, or even just performs to the same level He's going, well, I paid on, played on my tender for two million. Jarvis Landry got is on fifteen and a half at the minute. I'm gonna start negotiating at thirteen. We're never gonna pay that. But you've got a justifiable reason as Rashad Higgins' agent to go, well, my play, uh, my player is performing just as well as Jarvis Landry. I want Jarvis Landry money. So these contracts are tied because everyone knows what everyone's earning, and all these players are used as benchmarks. So when I'm going out and I'm going, what's similar players out there to Greg Robinson? I'm going, oh, Villanueva and Chris Hubbard. Even though Villanueva's playing better than Chris Hubbard, that's where the benchmark is because of our cap space and how we've decided to hand out deals. What can you see Greg Robinson playing out? Good question, Jack. Yeah, I was going to say 5 million, 15 million over three years. Yeah. But, but before, this, before this conversation... I would have thought we could have nicked Greg Robinson for maybe 10 million for three years. So you've really yeah. educated there. No, if, if, if we'd have grabbed him earlier in the season or when he came in, we'd have paid him that. Obviously, most people have gone, oh, well, that's nuts. And it had been a massive amount of money to risk. Um, and the other question is, if, if we go out and we go, actually, we're going to keep Hubbard, we're going to keep Greg Robinson we're going to have a very, very, very expensive O-line. It will be the most expensive in the O-line in the NFL by country mile. And there's risk attached with that because that means it's money that you're not spending around the rest of the team. But if the money you're saving from Baker's deal 
you're then ploughing all that money into the O-line. That's, that's a genuinely good way to spend it because if Baker Mayfield's got an extra, let's say, 0.3 seconds in the pocket to make a decision and throw the ball, then that's fantastic because even though 0.3 seconds might be a small amount of time, that'll be in the difference from him making a play or he has to throw the ball out of play or he takes a sack or he takes a hit. So there's, there's lots of positives there and it wouldn't surprise me if we re-sign Greg Robinson now where we're falling in the draft and it's something we might pick up a let's say fourth fifth sixth rounder pick up a tackle there and we'll put him into a competition sort of Desmond Harrison a fourth rounder Hubbard and Greg Robinson what are we going to see it wouldn't surprise me as well if we cut Hubbard um, but it's one of those things um, if we're going to draft one Hubbard is certainly getting cut if we sign Greg Robinson. Interesting. Now, Jack, are you ready to go off pace? Let's do it. What, what's going on? You're not prepared for this. So, your mate, Zach Moore, said we've got about 90 million left in uh, cap space. Yep. How, many, how many players... Do you think we should be, uh, or how much money do you think we should be going down to on that cap space next year? As, as little as possible. Um, and the reason for that is because that's not sustainable. It's, what we need to sit and look at is how much money we have under the NFL salary cap. Because um, I'll need to just Google it while we're talking. The important number is to look at if you've got a rollover um, and you've got spare money, how you spend that and what decisions you make are really important because if you get a rollover of let's say let's say 50 million because it was what we rolled over last year that 50 million yeah. isn't sustainable so once you spend that 50 million once it's never coming back obviously you see the nfl salary cap um goes up each year and that cap space follows over but that extra rollover isn't sustainable so you've almost got to act and go right we can spend this once so if it's a one-year free agent or say it's a you're rolling over um i'm just trying to find out the amount we actually roll over so yeah but jack we got 95 million surely that's not all rollover no so i'm just trying to quickly work this out what we're rolling over um our cap space this year we had 58 million um, I believe coming into the year, so that was the rollover, and uh, 58 million. Um, the average, the our active cap spending was 157 million. So we're rolling over 20 extra this year. Um, we got 75. So next year, at the minute, it's saying 84, but obviously you're cutting the likes of Collins, say. Um, so Tyrell Taylor. Uh, no, Tyra Taylor will come off the books in that number. Um, so we're potentially saying next year we're going to have 156 million we're already spending. So that gives us a cap space of 35 million. So 35 million is that number that that's spare money we've got forever. However, we spend that, that's there each year. And that then gives you 60, what is it? 35, that would be. Um, about 50 million, again, we're sort of, that's going to be the basically the magical rollover on top of it. 
and how, how do we spend that? Do we go out and we go, right, we're going to sign Greg Robinson to a five-year, £50 million contract. I know we're not, not going to spend that much on him, but if you were to spend that on him, you could almost say that's that spare £50 million all spent. You're going to spend it over five years, but that's all spent. And then you're just looking at the sustainable numbers that you're then moving. So lots of that money is spend once and it's gone. It's not renewed each year. And it's deciding what you do. But I think for us, if there's one sort of above average player that slides through to free agency, I wouldn't mind a Trey Flowers. I think he's a player that if the Patriots decide to move on from him and they've got a history of moving on from um, D-line players, I would love to bring in Trey Flowers, even though there's quite a lot of um, talent in the draft, and go, we're going to put you um, as our left defensive end, swing Ogba inside. That gives us an awesome line. Another free agent I'm looking at is sort of a Ronald Darby. I don't know what he's going to go for. He's obviously injured again this year. Uh, but fantastic cornerback with lots of potential. He could come into the rotation. So it's, it's looking at what we want to do, but don't bet it all. How many £10 million, uh, $10 million players can we sign in this cap space on one-year deals? Just give me a, can we sign six of them? Or? If you're saying 90, you can go out and sign nine. Yeah. But, so we could... but if, if you sign nine of them players on £10 million deals... Potentially next year, you go, right, we've got to get rid of five of the four because we can't afford to keep them. And okay. that's what benefit to the team is there that you have to lose half of that talent you add. So say we then go and we get to the AFC Championship game next season because we've added all this awesome talent, but then we have to take half of it away and then we only scrape through to the playoffs and lose in the first round of the playoffs for the next three years after that because we blew it all in one year. I think it's very important that all the moves we make are sustainable. They're three-year deals. Um, the only one-year deals you want to make is your gains. And I think um, Dorsey did a really good job of this. Everyone else that he brought in had the option of, if this person plays well, we can keep them. And we're not going, right, you're here as a one-year gamble. And the time when you make them one-year gambles is when you're in a Super Bowl window. So the golden tape move for the uh, Eagles, I really like that. Um, you don't want to do them sort of moves too often, but you do odd little style moves like that. Not so much the impact of the Golden Tate deal, but the theory behind it. The theory is very solid. It made a lot of sense. And uh, ideally, how many players uh, would you be looking for free agents uh, for Dorsey to sign this off-season? Even though we can go out and make one splash play, if it is a Trey Flowers, I'm happy with that, but I don't... I never really want to target tier one free agents target tier two and tier three so i don't ever want to go out and buy a star because if you're buying a star you're potentially paying a player like nate solder that isn't actually a star an insane amount of money more than he's never going to perform to that level of the money you've paid him so if you go out and you get your terence mitchells your um chris smith has been a really solid free agent signing he just does a job he's never going to jump off the paper and you get that talent through the draft and you extend those in the draft. So I would happily go out and add five more players on sort of the three to eight million mark um, or sort of the three to seven million mark of sort of just solid, solid pieces. Um, that wouldn't bother me. Three to five players in that sort of camp. Fantastic. Really good additions. 
players that can play. But and then you've got the odd player you might go and trade for a, uh, we've talked about Hassan Riddick. Um, players like that, sort of the Randall style-esque, you're going to get a couple of GMs come in this year and they're going to look to clean house the same way Dorsey did. And so you might see some of these great players like Carl Nassib just thrown out the building for no sense. And he's a solid rotational piece. And you might go, actually, we're going to go grab him. We'll trade a seventh rather than you put him on waivers. So um, go out there and uh, steal a little bit of pieces like that. So potentially we could see 12 draft new positions. Let's say we don't trade up and trade any of them. Well, you'll trade up. Let's say six, seven of them make the roster. Let's just say seven. Seven. And if we sign three to five free agents, yep. free agents normally stay, we're going to have 12 new players on our, 12 to 15 new players on our roster uh, come next September. I'd, I'd say 12 because anyone you're taking in sort of the fifth, sixth, seventh round isn't guaranteed to make the roster. Obviously, Avery did. Um, so, and some, uh, quite a few of them picks. Dorsey's shown that he likes that ability to sort of jump up in the draft and grab someone. So I think most of them sort of picks in the seventh will disappear. Um, if you're looking at predicting how many players will make the roster, I would say look at picks one through to five and ignore six and seven. Um, unless it's sort of a depth running back or a kicker, they're the only sort of players that will ever um, guarantee to make a roster in sort of that deep down. But uh, no, if, if, if I, I wouldn't be surprised if we had 10 to 12, potentially 13 players uh, new to the roster this year. I reckon we can have 15. Anyway, I'm calling it now 15 new players on the roster. Well, we will see. I just think um, if they go out and they resign Higgins, Robinson, um, and they resign um, their mother, uh, uh, Orson Charles is the only one that I think out of them six that um, they won't really look to bring back unless it's a, a cheapie um, and he might not make it out of camp. So um, we'll see what happens. But th there's options there. But those players are going to be more expensive than we thought. I might come back and I, I've never really done predicting how much players are going to be. So it's my first crack at it. Let's see what happens. I'm more of a how to use the cap space than going, here's the contract I'd structure and give to these players. But uh, if I get them all right, then, hey, we might be talking about this stuff more often. Well, mate, our predictions last week was one yard in it, mate. So I think our data and information is getting very accurate. Well, uh, trying to predict contracts is a whole other game um, because it takes into account what other teams are going to offer and who knows what sort of decisions uh, these players' agents are having behind the scenes. But uh, that's my best guess and let's see what happens. All right, excellent. All right, buddy. Well, look, it's been a pleasure speaking to you about Capspace. Yeah. Um, as with all guests on my show, it's, it's only right. Where can people find your details? Plug yourself um, for anyone that hasn't listened to the show before. Well, I'm not going to plug myself today, mate. Uh, I'm just going to tell you about 2019. It's the TV show. That's all, I, all I'm focusing on at the moment, mate. TV show. Well, what's it been like to be a guest on your own podcast? Well, it's been a bit daunting, actually, mate. A bit scary. So, uh... <laughs> No worries. Have a great one, guys. Um, I'm going to keep trying to add some guests onto the uh, Jack Cap show. And uh, we're going to ramp it up in the off-season. So, uh, have a good one, guys. Good to chat to you, as always, Paul. Um, let's go, Browns. Let's go, Baker. That's how I sign it off. Up the Browns. Yeah.